For me, like, honestly, one of the things that I, I reminded myself constantly was that I'm so fortunate to be in a position where the business that I run, I've always been running it very lean. We've always been operating mm-hmm. well within our means. Like me on a personal level, I live well within my means. And then our business financially operates well within its means. So for us to have a, a dramatic decrease in our revenue, it's a lot of lost potential income, but it's not a lot of, if any, like it, throughout the entire pandemic, we didn't lose a dollar. We didn't have a month where we actually lost money. We just right. lost potential income. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Leaders, so excited to have you on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I've got a really, really amazing young leader. He's in his late 20s. He's already, you know, had all sorts of amazing entrepreneurial triumphs and challenges and failures and mistakes and breakthroughs. And uh, he's been on the pod before. His name's James Fedek. And uh, he's in the Airbnb space and coaching uh, Airbnb entrepreneurs. And uh, he's written a book recently. He's written Airbnb for Dummies with his partner. Um, He's got a a new partnership with uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I remember when the coronavirus first hit, just thinking, oh my gosh, and seeing how what a massive hit was for Airbnb. And we talk about that and what Airbnb did, Airbnb did, and Brian Chesky, their CEO, and how it impacted James. And I just thought, oh, wow, would that ever be a, a great opportunity to bring somebody with real life, real world experience about what a black swan event like the coronavirus has on a business, you know, literally in one of the worst businesses, industries affected. So what has happened to James Fedek in his business? So, and I think you're a good chance you're going to be surprised, you know, about the mindset, the strategies that he managed to get through and have his business continue to thrive, have his business continue to make major contributions to the clients that he serves. So I know you're going to love this podcast and what I would request is that you think, do I know any young leaders, people who are looking for an opportunity to really grow and develop? There are going to be leadership opportunities at the biggest premium uh, ever or biggest deficit ever, okay, or or in decades. You know, there's just going to be so much less opportunity for leadership because we can't bring students together this coming season, you know, uh, for normal leadership opportunities. Okay. Our program is going to have the best year ever. We have so many ways to, uh, to serve our client base. Our client base is super excited to, uh, have students come and and clean their windows and paint their homes. And so we know we are just going to have an amazing season next year and we're looking for outstanding students. So if you know someone I would love that you share this podcast because it's a particularly great one. Thank you, James. Or 
I would love if you reach out to me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca or you can send them directly to our uh, site at studentworks.com. Thanks so much. I know you're going to love this podcast. Have a fantastic day. All right. So James, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow, or I should say welcome back to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Appreciate you having me. No, no, it's really awesome. And, um, you know, it's in many ways, your business, virtual, online, can do it anywhere in the entire world, is really something that interests our young leaders. And that the world is really shifting, the world is really changing. And, you know, it's it's really neat what you've created. So congratulations. And, and we're going to spend some time in the pod just kind of talking about it. And so why don't you sort of talk about what drove you or what had you thinking that Airbnb would be a, a good opportunity to invest your time and energy in? Yeah. So when I first got started, and I guess my first experience ever with Airbnb was when Sam and I basically got started managing properties on Airbnb. And it was initially something that when we looked at the at the opportunity, it was just interesting because it's just quite honestly, it's a fun space to be in like tourism, Airbnb, there's a lot of growth potential there. But also we just saw that it was a relatively new segment of a pretty tenured market, like vacation rentals have been around for a long time. Vacation rental managers have been around for a long time, but Airbnb was really disrupting that marketplace and, and growing the market more than anyone really had in the past. And so it just looked really interesting, honestly. We started out actually by reaching out to some other people who were in the space and who were managing. And we saw this lady that was like, we talked to this lady, I remember, who was managing everything herself, had about 10 properties. She was doing every single cleaning herself, everything herself. And didn't really have a ton of business savvy, but was just working really hard. And she was making about $160,000 a year, we figured, well, after we kind of ran the numbers right. on what she had told us. And we we're like, if someone with no real business savvy, who's running things inefficiently, but just working really hard, can be making that kind of money, then there's like pretty good opportunity here. Because that wasn't that was one story that really stood out. But there were a number of people we talked right. to who were really making good money. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so, so you and Sam and, and for our leaders, Sam was someone uh, James met in the student works management program and district managed together and developed a relationship and said, Hey, let's go do this together. So you developed a successful business and then you decided to sort of shift and really start getting into, you know, coaching. Where did that jump and how did you see that opportunity? Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a mix of things. Like obviously through working with the SAR management program, I had some experience with coaching, really enjoyed that, knew it was something I wanted to get back into. And then just didn't really know what capacity I wanted to get into. But I remember leaving the SAR management program thinking, I'm going to go and build my own business. And I'm going to use that as a platform to get back into professional coaching and training. Because that's what I really enjoyed doing. And then right. it just so happened that... so. I was airbnb out a spare bedroom in my house while I was running the business. And it just so happened that one of the guys that stayed in that spare bedroom, I've developed a really close personal friendship with since he stayed there. And I met him, he stayed, we got to know each other. And he was in and experienced with this world of like online courses, like online business. And so he started really getting curious about the business that I was in. And he just instantly, the gears started turning in his head. And he thought this would make a really awesome course. This would you could coach people how to do this. This would do really well. He started telling me about it. I started implementing it really as just a side project and kind of thinking, oh, I can, I okay. can get back into coaching a little bit. And then it just right. snowballed from there. Okay, fantastic. So why don't you describe 
to our leaders, you know, what you can about what you do, you know, like how the business model works, how the coaching works around the Airbnb coaching mastery program. Yeah. So I guess like right now our business is a little bit, there's a little bit more, I want to say for lack of a better word, complexity than before, because obviously you've got the book Airbnb for dummies. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't we sort of say when you started, what you did, where you were. So we'll kind of walk people through. Cause one of the, one of the things I know our leaders are listening are going, how could I do something similar? How does a Mm -hmm. business get created? So walk us down the next path, James, of the business development. Yeah. Like when I first started out, it was real simple. It was basically just, I've got this business. It's had success. There are an infinite number of people in the world that want to have a successful business. And so it's just a matter of finding the right people who want to have that kind of a successful business in the same sort of niche, have the same sort of interest and their skill set lines up. And then I start out just saying, Hey, I'll just, I'll just coach you. I'll show you what I'm doing in my business. And I'll just show you our systems. I'll give you our systems. You can go and do it for yourself. And so when I first started, it was really scrappy. It was just like, Reach, find people on LinkedIn and on Facebook who okay. either had shown an interest in Airbnb or had shown an interest in starting a business, and then just reach out to them, send them a message. Hey, what do you, you know? What do you think okay. of this? You know, are you interested in that? Set them up onto a phone call, and then if they're the right fit on the phone call, then we'll bring them into coaching. And I basically would just charge at the beginning. I was just charging two thousand dollars a person to come in. They'd access all of our systems, which, quite honestly, they were just. Literally, like the the Excel files, the Word documents, all the stuff that we had developed in our business to keep things running. I just basically was right. showing our clients, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And they were going and implementing. Right. And if they had any challenges, I would coach them. And then over right. time, that started to get uh, the process got, started to get more refined. Just like any business, you kind of you do it really scrappy when you're first yeah. starting out. You refine the processes. So I started realizing. Well, on these coaching calls, I'm telling these people the exact same thing over and over and over again. And I'm giving them the same stuff in the same sequence. And so, hey, if we put this into basically like an online training portal that just is a recording of me saying this stuff and saying it in the right sequence, then maybe we can put people into this program. They can go through it in sequential order and they can get the same outcome. They can get the same results. And we'll just mix in, you know, weekly Q&A calls that we can do as a, in a group format. So if they have any questions, need anything clarified, they can do that. And that's kind of what it evolved into over time. And it just was the same fundamental business model, but just a slightly different delivery method for how we actually get the results for our clients. Fantastic. And so, you know, the core of it, you learned how to run a profitable business with Sam and yourself. You said, hey, I'm going to go into this other business where I'm going to treat people to be Sam and myself, you know, in that business. And then, okay, I'm going to go actually teach them. And I found out that, wow, I can do it better online so that I don't have to repeat myself again and again and again and can deliver the same value. And then what about the marketing of it? And I can see how Airbnb, there's, it's such a massive organization, literally around the world. Everybody who speaks English, you could assist them to run their business better. And there's a lot of people who really aren't running their business that well in that space. Of course, there's some people who are probably doing it really, really big and really big, amazing. That's fine. But you're, you're kind of after that, that startup niche. So how were you able to reach them, James? Yeah. So that kind of evolved too, right? So I think Mm -hmm. one of the cool things I've learned through doing this is that there's really evolutionary stages of a business. And as you kind of grow the business, you realize some things just cap it. Like you can, Facebook only lets you send out so many messages in a day before they block your profile. 
LinkedIn, same thing. Okay. And so that like it, you just reach a point where, okay, I'm just, I'm maxing out the systems I'm using. I have to evolve to another system. Ah. So I started out just reaching out, like I said, through LinkedIn, through Facebook. And then at that stage, like I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of money to invest into, uh, into this. So I went, what's an easy way for me to reach a bunch of people without investing a ton of money. And one of the ways to do that is something that in, in, in this industry, it's referred to as a joint venture. And essentially all that okay. is, is basically finding someone with a big audience who it, that's where their audience is complementary. So there's overlap between their audience and your target audience of who would like your stuff, but you're not stepping right. on each other's toes. So they're not a, a direct competitor. They just have overlap in their audience. And then you basically just go to them and you say, Hey, if you promote my stuff, like I'm simplifying it because you build a relationship, you get to know them, but essentially you're just saying, Hey, if you promote my stuff to your audience, then any sales I get, I'll split them with you. And the nice thing right. about this business is that you have virtually like a, like a ni- high 90, 90% margins, right? Right. When, you, right? when you're just starting out and you don't have any kind of paid advertising, you don't have a team with you, like you're making right. $2,000 on a course and you maybe have $2,000 a month in, in overhead for your softwares that you're using, whatnot. And so I started evolving into doing that. I found actually one partner who I later on ended up buying into his business with them. And we've been partners ever since then. We wrote the book together. And that was really the first right. big break I had was he promoted me to his list of 30,000 people. We did a tremendous amount of sales from that. It went really well. And then from there, I just went, that's great because it went really well, but I can only do that every once in a while. I can't just email these same people every single day or expect him to. It's not going to last. So then I started going into something more evergreen, um, which is Facebook ads. So there's a whole lot more to that, but essentially just putting that message in front of the audience getting them to opt into at that point of free training where they could get a bit of a taste for what I do. And then if they're interested, they could set up that strategy session, that call with me where we would actually get on the phone together. So it's a little bit more complex of a system, but one that ultimately could scale a lot further. Right, right. So the one thing just to get to the strategic alliance to take a step back is what makes sense for your partner was, remember, your partner is making as much money as you're making. So it's like, oh, wow, James is making me money. Oh, I like James, I like this James guy, right? Like That's always what's really important to understand about you know effective strategic partnerships is they're bringing you something and you're bringing them something. So it's a really, really great win-win. And I remember when that exploded for you, and that's that's obviously super exciting. And then, as you mentioned, the Facebook advertising, I don't know. I know just a little to know that there's a lot to know about that whole space, right? And there's a real wisdom, there's a real, you know, effectiveness and clarity and training and coaching. Like what makes someone good at Facebook Facebook advertising, do you think? Um, more than anything, it's it's just an analytical mindset. Like you have to be really, you re, or you have to either be, or you have to put yourself into a state of being very analytical, very data driven. Because the reality is like a lot of people see Facebook ads and they think, oh, I need to be really creative. I need to come up with this copy or this video ad or this image that's going to really grab people's attention. And it's in reality, like that is part of it. And that's kind of what makes Facebook ads um, so as challenging as they are, is that there is a mix of creative and analytic. But I think that from what I've Mm. seen and what I've experienced in my own success so far with it is that it's far more analytics than it is creativity. Facebook's platform is so capable that you can track everything right down to like the the click right down to the dollar and just Mm -hmm. being able to look at it without emotion 
which is hard because you're spending a yes. lot of money when you're you created it. Yeah. And you created it. Yeah. So there's two paces. Yeah. I'm investing money. Is this going to win? And then also uh, I may be attached to that picture or that line of thinking or that line of creativity, I imagine. Yeah. And it's really just about removing all that emotion and just looking at the numbers and just saying, okay, these not like I've got benchmarks for where I need this to be at to make the overall system profitable. And if this, if this is mm -hmm. out of KPI, if it's not within my benchmarks, then I've got to get rid of it. If this is, then I can duplicate it. I can start doubling down on what's working. I think the more effectively that you can do that, once you've got the right messaging, the right offer, the right things lined up, it really just comes down to being super analytical and making the right decisions from just a purely ROI standpoint so that you can actually scale it. Okay, great. So you've got Facebook advertising. You've got a, a great strategic relationship with a, a partner. And then what, what's next? Is, is, is the book next? Was that that opportunity the next thing? Yeah. So from there, um, I guess the next thing was, yeah, I ended up buying into this business with my, my now business partner, Simon, with Learn BNB. So that was a blog that had a big readership of Airbnb hosts. We developed a second course that was more tailored just to people. Rather than focusing on people who wanted to start a business managing properties on Airbnb, we wanted to serve our existing audience on, on Learn BNB on that blog to basically show them how to take their own property on Airbnb and just optimize it more effectively. Because that was a huge part of, the, part of the audience there. That went really well. And then it just basically... Uh, Simon was actually the one that saw it. They saw on, on Wiley's website that they, were, uh, that they were interested in writing a book, Airbnb for Dummies. And they were in search of an author. And there was an application form. We applied. Between the two of us, at that point, we were really a dream team to write this book. And so Wiley selected us and we right. started writing the book. And we've had some really cool partnerships since then. We've, uh, we've done some work with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. And we've just kind of continued growing the whole thing. So right now, yeah, we've got the book launch on August 4th. Um, and that's going to be a, a big kind of push on, on our end. And otherwise, yeah. just continuing to kind of grow everything at the same time. Just kind Right, of, right. Yeah, just kind of moving the needle forward and everything. Sort of that same niche. Yeah. Yeah, same space. No, it's really um, exciting and exciting, again, when big brands want to start attaching themselves to you or, you know, because obviously we'd want to start attaching ourselves to Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and Airbnb, you know, for dummies. Like that's just, that's just really, really great that those platforms. And then I know as well, recently you started a YouTube channel. And I remember originally there was one tack, but then you decided to switch. Maybe you could talk to our leaders about that decision. Yeah, so that was that was basically like coming out of 2019, we had a phenomenal year. And my and my goal for that year had been basically I, I was just laser focused on getting the business to a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. And mm -hmm. I basically just went through everything I could to get us there, got us there, and then ultimately didn't <laughs> didn't really love being there because ah. Being there took a lot out of my out of my lifestyle. It took a lot of sacrifice and it just wasn't very sustainable. And so I basically, this is a roundabout way of, way of saying that I basically decided I want to take a step back. I want to automate a lot of these processes. So now we don't, do, we don't do sales calls anymore. We have an automated system to get people into the program. And we just really focused on how we can make the business more profitable, more scalable. Again, it's just kind of going to another, another evolution of the business and not have it be limited by my time or my ability to find and, and recruit you know, talented reps to get on these phone calls. And so along with that, it came a, a whole new opening up in my time to actually go and focus on organic. Because up until then, we were just focusing on 
paid advertising because simply because it was the the least amount of time that you could invest to get the most amount of result. Because where you're you're basically making a trade off. You're saying instead of spending my time, I'm going to spend my money. And so we were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook ads. And once I started removing myself from that process and freeing up my time, it just made a lot of sense to start focusing on other attraction methods that were organic that were that were going to have a yield higher profit margins. And so one of those that I, I always had had in the back of my mind was a YouTube channel. Initially, I wanted to start a YouTube channel just talking about all kinds of things about entrepreneurship, about personal finance, about mindset, all these things that I'm really passionate about. But what I landed on the end was that it made a lot more sense to focus it in on what I'm really best at uniquely in the market, because then it would just round out with my whole business. Because now people that don't decide to get into our programs, they can still learn from me on YouTube. They can get to know me better if they decide to... to you know, work with us uh, in a more formal setting a year from now, two years from now, this is going to really help to feed into that. So now I basically post two videos every week. I have been for a couple of months now, just talking about all things, Airbnb, real estate, you know, making money, starting your own business, that sort of those sorts of uh, right. topics. And it's, it's stuff that I'm both that I'm passionate about. There are other things I would love to talk about, like mindset, you know, online business, all that stuff. But Right now, it just doesn't make the most sense to do that from my vantage point because it's not quite as cohesive. It doesn't really work into the system quite as nicely. But the nice thing about a YouTube channel is that you can easily adapt as you grow and change, and it can really evolve into whatever you want long term. And as you're developing your client base, you know, right, yeah. or your listener listenership. No, that's fascinating. So, so again, basically, you developed a business that really you didn't want to keep running. You know, you were putting in so much time into sort of sales. You were making, you know, money beyond, uh, you know, probably what you could imagine have been making at that time. And on the other hand, that's one of the things that I think sometimes our leaders don't understand. There's got to be a balance in life yeah. <laughs> that, yes, I can be making lots of money, but gee, if I don't have time to, you know, just have more freedom, because that's one of the things we want as, as entrepreneurs is freedom. So more flexibility, more freedom, more relationship time, health time, all those things to sort of uh, take advantage of. So, and I remember, I remember, you know, sort of having caught up with you about what you were up to, you know, heading into the coronavirus situation a couple months before then. And then, you know, uh, it had an enormous impact on our business initially, enormous negative or setback impact. And so I remember re reaching out to you and just going, hey, what's going on? How are you coping with it? So what I'd love to, to talk about is just what happened. And then also, you know, because I know you love mindset, so do I, you know, how did you handle your mindset? How did you manage your mindset during these, these trying times? Yeah. So it was, it was pretty interesting, honestly. It was, it was such a uh, cool learning experience for us. And that's the way I framed it in my mind. Uh, it, wasn't, it, didn't, it didn't occur like that when it was first going on, but now it sure does. <laughs> So when we, yeah, going into that, we had just launched this whole automated system for, for getting clients into our, our flagship program, mastery program. And I was just about to start running paid advertising to it and thought better of it because it didn't seem like a compelling value proposition to start a tourism industry business in March of 2020. And so I basically rethought that. Good call. That. Good call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hindsight, I think I made the right call. Yeah. But I was in a mastermind group of mine and the person suggested, well, hey, you've, you've got this other program for Airbnb hosts who 
you know, right. they need help right now. Like they're suffering. I, I would imagine there's quite a bit of pain there. It might make sense to start kind of doubling down on that. And so I thought, hey, why not? We might as well just test it. Right. Started running some running some ads to that, started getting some really good results. And within a couple of weeks, we realized, wow, we're getting like 10, 15 times better ROI than we've ever gotten before. Why? Because wow. advertisers have flocked away from, from advertising spend. Like that was one of the first things that companies would cut when the pandemic hit is just yes. let's get off of advertising. And there was a substantial amount of pain in our in our marketplace. Like the clients that we were serving had a tremendous amount of pain. And so we were able yep. to, to help them solve that pain point. So that ended up working really well. And then now things are starting to pick back up with, uh, with our flagship program. So that's all worked out really well. And I think mindset-wise, in the beginning when it was really challenging, I would say the biggest thing that made a difference for me was just being a part of that mastermind, being a part of these different pockets, these different communities that just think differently from the masses and that can you know I can work through right. things with and as of late it's been probably about 3 4 weeks now that I've been completely off of social media and it's entirely changed my life I love it just I realized that Instagram and Facebook were just poisoning my mind and like I've never been a heavy oh. Instagram or Facebook user and I've always had the news feeds blocked on my on my computer stuff like that but I just found that it was Without getting into too much detail, it was just troubling to me the way that people were thinking in the midst of everything going on in the world. And it really concerned me. And I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I just realized at one point, I'm spending all this time thinking about it and I'm not going to do anything about it. This isn't my cause. I care about this yes. stuff, but it's not. It's, it's so much different to care about something than to actually go and I'm going to spend hours and hours going and taking action to make a change here. I'm making a change in the yeah. world. It's not in coronavirus. It's not in police brutality. It's not in these, these things that people care about right now. And so me thinking about it is just distracting me from my core focus where I am making an actual impact, where I am actually improving people's lives. And so I just cut it out entirely. And it's just had me be a lot more focused and had a lot less negative thoughts going in, in through my own mind. So I can really focus on the good as opposed to the bad. I love that. I love that, James. And it's interesting. Um, I know other people who are real close to me who also have been really impacted and really care, right? Like that's one of the things, obviously yeah. you really care and who couldn't care about Black Lives Matter or uh, police brutality or, or this horrible virus that's, that's you know, uh, infecting people and spreading and impacting the economy so much, right? So I think there's something wrong, at least in my mind, you know, that's my story. There's something wrong if, if someone doesn't and I get it, what can I do? And if you are finding that your state's being impacted by reading it, then lessen or eliminate it is a really great mindset strategy. You know, for me, I find I can, I, I think I've always been very good at just, oh, listen, read, okay, move on and be able to cut it off and not ponder on it. Mm. But I can see if, if that was sticking with me, how, how, how much of an impact it was. And to get back to the Airbnb thing, like for our, our, our leaders, Airbnb uh, was in a crisis itself. They were going to go public. And I've listened to some podcasts of, uh, I think it's Chesky, Brian Chesky. Yeah. But, uh, you know, them going out and raising a billion dollars to make sure they saw it through. And, and did they get the right financing amount? And he just said, we just want to be here on the other end. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it, it really, really, again, a lot of times, you know, it, it just can be so, so scary for what a business looks like. And making sure that you're there is a really, really important thing, you know? So yeah. that's just something I saw about Airbnb is, is that it really felt like it was at risk itself. 
to the pandemic and to everything that was happening. Yeah. And honestly, like for anyone listening to the podcast, if you want it, if you want a great lesson in, in true, like really phenomenal leadership, just go in and do, do some quick Googling around and find and look into like what Brian Chesky did in the face of like the biggest tourism industry meltdown in recorded history and how he handled For that. Sure. From my, like there, you're going to get mixed opinions. Some people think differently. It's uh, my opinion is not the absolute truth, but from my vantage point, he did such a phenomenal job of dealing with everything going on. Like I can't even believe it. He yeah. took uh, a quarter of a billion dollars and gave it back to hosts. He took another $10 million and just made a relief fund that he created for host super hosts who were in, in need. And then when he laid off a third of his staff, he did it in the most respectable way I've ever seen a layoff conducted. Yeah. Like he set up yeah. so much infrastructure to help these people get employed elsewhere to, to create a real community around them. Like, and he just did it with so much tact and so much, so much decency that I, I honestly, I feel like I learned so much from the way that he handled that. And I, I yeah. have so much more faith in Airbnb as a company now than I did before all this stuff happened. Right. And obviously it's important because they're the big ship you're attached to, right? Yeah. So the fact that he's such an amazing CEO is a really good thing for James, yeah. right? So yeah. so yeah. And so I must say, when I was listening to to and reading all of these things, because I was aware of all those things, because it got a lot of publicity, because he was really doing the right things. In the United States, they have much different labor laws than we do here in Canada. So really, a lot of the ways he he treated people like that Canadian employers do. Yeah. You know, he gave them you know some time, some, you know, income before they were needed to find another job. He gave them, you know, coaching on how to find another job. These are things that are, are quite common in, in really good companies that do that. And some of them are legislated. And then one big thing he did was he also said, Hey, we have all these computers that we gave them to work at home yeah. and we'll, we'll, th there's no sense us having them back. But more importantly, that will really be a really great piece for our staff and also just goodwill. And as well, like anybody who looks out from the, I think with any sort of practical understanding of business must understand that when your business drops in such, such way, you, you have to make changes or your business will be bankrupt. Everyone will lose their job. Yeah. There will be no value. There will be no Airbnb unless he had made those types of changes. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, like making those changes in like, I think I've had stress and I think I've had, had, had pressure and I can't imagine, yeah. man, if you look mm -hmm. at some of the, some of the early videos that he, and like, he, he, he looks stressed. He looks like yes. he's got a, oh, yeah. a multi-billion dollar company riding on his shoulders and he just, he made yes. great calls. Like I, I really do feel like he made some really great decisions. Yeah. I, I was super happy about all of it. Yeah. No, and it's and it, and it is interesting as well. Like one of the senses that I have about this whole COVID crisis is that the people, you know, who had the most going on were so overwhelmed with all the changes happening. And how do we now serve our customer in this environment? And how do we now make changes because maybe the volume of business isn't there, or will the volume of business was there? Because originally we were going well. You know, will we do six million dollars worth of business? And no, we ended up we just broke through $14 million worth of business. Now, we've never had a variance ever in the history of our business that we ever thought two different numbers so yeah. far apart, right? Yeah. Like, like, like what? You know, but that's, and again, when you have that difference, then that impacts everything you do in the business, all your purchasing decisions, you know, do you need your space? Yeah. Do you, you know, are you buying enough? Your staffing decisions, everything possible 
your financing decisions. You know, again, all these different things that just such, such critical, critical things. So, you know, how did you stay calm under the pressure that you were facing? Because it was really, really significant, James. Yeah, for me, like, honestly, one of the things that I, I reminded myself constantly was that I'm so fortunate to be in a position where the business that I run, I've always been running it very lean. We've always been operating mm-hmm. well within our means. Like me on a personal level, I live well within my means. And then our business financially operates well within its means. So for us to have a, a dramatic decrease in our revenue, it's a lot of lost potential income, but it's not a lot of, if any, like it, throughout the entire pandemic, we didn't lose a dollar. We didn't have a month where we actually lost money. We just right. lost potential income, which it, it sucks, right. but it's it's a lot better the situation than a lot of people are in. Like I didn't have employees to let go. I didn't have rent to renegotiate. Yeah. I didn't have any of these really challenging things. So I just tried to focus on just seeing it from that perspective so that I can be yeah. more grateful for where I am and less stressed out about it all. And then just focus on, okay, I'm not in a position where I need to go and, and like make money to feed myself and put a roof over my head. I'm just in a position where I have to think about what's the best strategic decision that I can make right now that's going to give me the most possible upside. And I think it's right. so much... I'm honestly, I'm very grateful for, for that. And I think that there's a really big difference when you're in business between the mindset that you go into, at least for me personally, when I'm trying to protect downside versus when I'm trying to maximize yeah. upside. And I think it, it allows me to be a lot more creative in my thinking. It allows me to be a lot... Um, to try a lot of new different things without a lot of stress. If I'm thinking about, okay, how am I just going to maximize upside potential? And it's, I think the biggest thing there is it's just the mental exercise going through, making sure that when you wake up in the morning, if you don't feel that way and you are feeling stressed out, that for me, like I just, whether it's doing affirmations, whether it's having conversations with people, whether it's just going for a walk in the morning to get my head straight so that I am in the right state to make the right decisions. Yeah. I love it. Love it. And so, so for our leaders, you know, one of the things I always love to coach is, is the whole idea. It's not a question of whether they're going to win this year. It's a question of how much they're going to win by and mm-hmm. having that frame of reference. And a big part of that is don't overspend, right? You know, don't have a huge mortgage, don't have huge car payments, don't live, live beyond your means. And then all that's possible. It's like, oh, wow. You know, I just, there's more, there's more money at the end of the month, every, every month, you know, it's like, oh, you know, and, and, and it's so valuable to have that mind that, sorry, it's not a mindset. It's a frame of living and yeah. saying, Hey, I'm going to just consciously always spend less. And in our culture, unfortunately, there's an enormous, you know, not rich dad, poor dad, Roger Kiyosaki. It's the opposite of I'm going to keep spending. I'm going to leverage. I'm going to look good. And it's just so stressful because there's just no space for a bounce. Mm-hmm. And the issue is not, will something terrible happen in the next decade, James? Something terrible yeah. is going to happen. We just don't know what, right? It's, it's yeah. like these black swan events. Now, this is a major black swan event, more that like happens once every hundred years. You know something bad's going to happen, okay? So it's just a question, are you prepared for be, having that something bad happen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like one of the really, I never, I used to live outside of my means and you, you know this, you, like I, yes. <laughs> I was not a big saver. I, I you know, made money to spend mm-hmm. money. And it was this, at some point, something just clicked for me. And I realized like up until whatever your cost of living is, whether it's $40,000 a year, $60,000 a year, whatever it is, 
up until that point, you're not really making money. Like you're just, all you're doing is supporting your, your livelihood. You're not building any wealth. There's nothing left over. And that's after tax, right? And so I just, yes. I just yeah. realized at some point that something clicked for me and I went, it's the money from 60,000 to whatever. That's the money that really matters. And so there's two ways to maximize that amount of money. One is going and getting to that 60K and then blowing past it and keeping expanding. And that's great. But if you can right. bring that 60 down to 40, if you can bring that 60 down, down and still be comfortable, I still have a really great life. I work at a great gym. I yeah. eat really great food, like not starving yeah. myself of any of this, any of this stuff that I really enjoy. But if you can just manage that and bring it down to a more reasonable level, then suddenly you put away all this extra money every year. And then it just, again, it gives you the freedom to, to go and make decisions a lot more effectively because, hey, if I don't make a dollar for the next six months, I'll be fine. If I don't make a dollar for the next 12 months, I'll be fine. As opposed to being in the mindset of, if this month, if my rent check comes in this month and I haven't made X amount of money, I'm out of luck. Like I got to figure Ghosted. something. And that's yeah. just, that's panic. And that's not good decisions for me, in my experience, good decisions do not stem from that line of thinking. 100%. No. And, and by the way, as well, like certainly when I was younger, uh, definitely I had this feeling that money was going to pour to me and it, and it has over my life. And on the other hand, it would have been way better had I had the mindset that you have right now or the mindset that we have right now. Having a really big gap between what you're spending and what you're earning is, is a really great way. Um, and a big part of it is as well, because we have so many leaders who are just you know, in their twenties, just coming out of school as much as possible. If I can, I can keep that student lifestyle. Don't, yeah. you know, jump that lifestyle, you know, just keep it, you know, cause already you've, you've probably good chance been experiencing, oh, wow, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm seeing some friends. I, the odd time will go out, whatever, all these different ways to sort of keep a, a really reasonable lifestyle, stay in that reasonable lifestyle for as long as possible. You know, and then you yeah. can really again build assets, give yourself financial freedom, you know, uh, faster or sooner, you know, etc. So, James, for you know, for for you moving forward, like, what's your focus right now? Yeah, so it's funny. Like, I I'm in this uh, this group of entrepreneurs, and someone actually just asked me today, "What's your what's your revenue goal for this year?" And I actually don't have mm. a revenue goal for the year, and it's very contrary to this group. But it's very revenue focused that I'm in, and it's because. I had a revenue goal last year and I hit that revenue goal and I wasn't happy getting there. And so it made me reevaluate not only my goal, but the, the way that I set goals and having it be, there's a, there's a saying, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity and cash is reality. And for right. me, like I realized that very much revenue is, is a lot of vanity. There's a lot of people pulling huge revenue numbers who don't have a great lifestyle or don't, who aren't making a whole lot of money. A lot of it's just going to cost. Yes. And yes. So now, right now, the goal for me is to like I've got a personal income goal that I'm that I'm aiming for for the year, and a lifestyle goal, and that that kind of ties in the amount of time that I want to spend with my family, with my girlfriend, the amount of time that I want to relax, the impact that I want to make, and where I want my time going when I am spending it in the business. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's really focusing on that. And so the stage that we've been in for the majority of the year, honestly, so far has been building, which is something that I love doing. Like rebuilding the program to make it more effective and get our students even better results, rebuilding our systems right. to work better and support the lifestyle that I want more effectively. And then just kind of rebuilding everything else auxiliary on that, like the website, the YouTube channel, everything there. And so now it's just kind of, it's starting to pay off and we're just kind of focusing on building that out more. And so I feel like this year more than anything, 
I'm building with intention. It's all, it all kind of has to fit into what I actually want my life to look like day to day. So like right right now, the most quantifiable goal that I have is just for us to grow. And I want us to grow ideally to a thousand members inside the program and for our customer success rate to be higher than ever. Like we've just fully rebuilt the program. We're giving the students in our programs more tools than ever before and more effective tools than ever before. And so I really want to keep focusing on working with those students to get them even better results. So that again, like I'm spending my time doing something that actually makes a difference and that I really enjoy doing day to day. Right. And there's also one of those things where, you know, again, following the contribution, you know, you're making a contribution. It feels great to make a contribution. I'm seeing my clients win from this. And through that, I win. And there is a disconnect if we're working so hard that we're not enjoying our life, right? And it's, and it's great that you discovered that disconnect. It's like, well, hold on, that doesn't work, right? And it certainly is not out of alignment to have, you know, a, a profit and a quality of life goal. Like those, those things are pretty, are pretty great, you know? And again, it's, it's also, I love how you're doing it because you're doing it through recreating and re continuing to work on your business. And that's one thing as well is, is for, for all of our leaders, you know, here's someone who's a real craftsperson and all of our business, all of our entrepreneurs need to think of themselves that way. You know, the business that I run now is completely different than it was five years ago and completely different than it was 10 years ago or 15 years. And in the end, we did the same things, but we're doing it so much better, so much differently. Yeah. The marketing's different. The, the systems, the processes are just so much, so much vastly improved. And if it weren't, we wouldn't be having the impact, yeah. you know, and that's what you're seeing as well. How do I stay ahead of everyone else? Do you think other competitors haven't bought James's material? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and have gone through it. And now are, there's ripoff, uh, you know, programs online. I, I don't know that to be true. I imagine it's true. You know, just it that's, that's something yeah. that happens. And unfortunately, it is true, Chris. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because that's, that's how life works. That's how competitive advantage is. So we always need to be moving forward. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, Every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So James, how did working as a student works operator and district manager assist you in gaining so much traction in your career so early on in life? Yeah, I think like one of the things that that it did more than anything in terms of like where I'm at now and why I'm here. Like when I think back, when I started out with the SAR management program, I was in university going to business school because I thought, hey, I like math and I don't want to be a mathematician, but math is useful in business and business seems really broad. Right. So let's go to business school. And at that point, like I remember thinking, hey, if I can be making $100,000 a year, then I'm, then I'm good. I'm set. 
And there wasn't really right. any thought about how I made that money, like what I was doing to make right. that money or anything beyond that. It was just like this vision of success that was very binary and like very singularly focused. And it really being a part of student works and being exposed to these people that genuinely loved what they did, that had, you know, all this potential to grow and, and were focusing on impact. And I was like, wow, okay, like these people care about more than just money. And for the longest time, I didn't believe that, right. my, that my district manager cared about more than money because all I cared about was money. And I thought that's, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and yeah, just like, just being exposed to that and realizing, hey, like there's so much more opportunity out there in life than just to go and make X amount of money and work at some job. And so I think one big piece has just been like thinking bigger, like actually just, yeah. just expanding my frame of reference to look at what's actually really possible has allowed me to just not settle early on in my life. Like I just decided, hey, I don't, if in 40 years this hasn't worked out, I can always go get that nine to five job. Like I'm, I'm pretty confident that I can go and get whatever nine to five job I, I want and kind of figure that out. But I'm young, right. I've got the opportunity to swing for the fences. Let's go and give it a try. And then the other thing is just the community. Like honestly, being a part of the, of the, the network that I was a part of, I've made more, more, great friends that I still have around me now from, from the summer management program than from anything else. My mastermind still has members. In, I live with someone who is, who is, uh, you know, a, another alumni, like, and having those people around makes more difference than probably anything, because like, you can't be going through all this stuff and go completely alone. You can't do anything completely alone and have success at it. And so having those people to bounce ideas off of, to keep you on track when things are challenging, that it's just invaluable. Yeah. And, and to understand what you're going through, right? Yeah. That's a big piece is, is one of the things, you know, I'm in a mastermind and have been for 25 years. I'm really looking forward to getting connect, connected first time in person outside, outside dinner. We're having, yeah. uh, it's late July here. And, uh, and it's been six months since we saw everyone just before the pandemic hit and everything shut down. And, uh, otherwise we've been just weekly zoom meetings and, um, it's, I really, really look forward and just kind of people really getting what you're doing, getting and understanding like you're, 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 you know, kind of a lot of times it feels like you're walking on a tightrope, you know, especially early on in your career. And it no longer feels that way for, for me at least. Um, but who knows, maybe for some, some weeks in the pandemic, it, it, it didn't feel so secure in any way whatsoever, yeah. but uh, um, black swan events, you know, separate, but having the other people with that mindset and supporting you, you know, things are going bad, not, oh, why did you do that, James? You know, you should have known, you know, I told you so, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. It's just not a, not a nice space to be in, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like having, having the right people around you and uh, yeah, seeking that out too, like not having it, it's not necessarily just a byproduct of, of, hey, you end up, you end up meeting the right people. I don't think that that really ever happens. And if you look no. at the, the circles that most people surround themselves with, it's not super intentional. And it's no surprise that they are where they are and that, you know, this part of their life doesn't work, that they're either out of shape or that, that their relationships aren't working or their finances aren't in yeah. order. I think just like having, being a part of a community that actually talked about, about community, that actually talked about, hey, yeah. this is what you can gain from being a part of this community. And this is how, oh, this community is going to support you. It just, it gave me a different frame of, oh, I actually need to be really intentional about who I'm spending my time around and go and consciously seek out opportunities like our management program to go in and surround myself with the type of people who are where I want to be. Right. And then that's also what you did with your mastermind. Because I remember being involved in, in sort of crafting and, and, and you know, 
having meetings and, and different things with in setting up structures that would support your your group? It's it's literally it's how I've approached every any part, person that's in my life right now is in my life right now because of that mindset. Like I don't have someone right. anyone I can think of in my life who isn't there intentionally, who I haven't intentionally cultivated right. that relationship with. So it's it's dictated how I set up the masterminds, dictated the the other groups that I'm in as far as entrepreneurship goes. It's dictated who my girlfriend is. It's dictated like every mm-hmm. every person that's surrounding me. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And just so, you know, just the power of intentionality, right? Really, really going, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? Yeah. You know, right? Like just always asking yourself that and really, really being focused. Am I making the right decision right now? And I am. I've got James Fedek on a podcast, so it's a great thing. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I got it. So James, final question. And I really appreciate you being on our pod again. So when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? When I think of a leader of tomorrow, I think of someone who sees a who sees an area of 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 the world that they want to impact and actually has the audacity to go and try to make that happen. I think mm. one of the things that that bugs me, it it kind of coincides with one of the things that inspires me the most in the world today is like there's so many people that are willing to stand behind a big cause, but so few people that are willing to stand at the forefront of it and actually go out and make a mm. difference. And right. to me, a, a leader, it, it can be in whether it's a leader in not-for-profit, whether it's a leader in you know your community, whether it's a leader in a business, a leader of tomorrow is someone who sees, hey, there are problems in the world and someone is going to solve them. And that person's going to be no smarter, no more talented, no more gifted than I am. Why not me? Absolutely. Love it. Okay. Well, that's great. I love that. I love that. And uh, be counted, be intentional, and then go make a difference. So, well, James, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, You know, I know we'll be in touch soon. And again, just a real great contribution to our young leaders listening. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Hey, cheers. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.